I just want to try to take a more thoughtful, mindful approach to helping artists think for themselves and become self-sustaining, right? Because the industry is going to change. The things we're talking about right now are going to be either way more relevant or way less relevant 10 years from now. Good point. Yeah. But I want you to be able to gain the tools uh, and frameworks for kind of going through and saying, hey, well, how do I talk to this label? How do I pitch this label? And being like, hey, a better idea is let's flip the lens and put your hat on in a way that allows you to think about what behooves them and what their objectives are. And that's, you know, maybe a better pitch. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. Here's the first part of my conversation with Casey Cavalier. My next guest is an American record producer, musician, and artist coach. His creative work ethic has been sculpted by a career spanning over two decades with his band, The Wonder Years, including multiple Billboard chart-topping releases, extensive global touring, and the mentorship of music industry heavyweights. His mission outside of the studio and the stage is to help educate and inspire a new generation of independent artists by teaching them how to think critically about the way they market, promote, and brand themselves and their music. His name is Casey Cavalier, and I think you'll find him incredibly inspiring. I know it's tough out there for musicians right now, but the best is yet to come, and this discussion will help demystify what it takes to be a working musician. As always, if you have questions for my guest, you're welcome to reach out through the links in the show notes. If you have questions for me, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com, where you'll find a lot of ways to get in touch. Plus, subscribing to the newsletter will let you know when the new podcasts are available. And if you're getting some value from listening, the best ways to show your support are to share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review. Both those things really help, and I'd love to feature your review on future podcasts. You can leave one either in written or in voice format from the podcast's main page. I would so appreciate that. And now, here's my conversation with Casey Cavalier. So we can just start yep. a conversation and see where it goes. I, yes. I waste all my good stuff in the pre-roll. Um, <laughs> the rest of it's downhill now. No, oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, we hope not. Um, uh, I'm sure it won't be. Yeah, I have no, no, but I, I have no worries. Uh, I, no, I'm an open book. I like authenticity. Uh, I, I'm not trying to put on any kind of great face. Uh, you know, <laughs> like I like best foot forward. Um, but also, uh, I would just say maybe I don't know. Take out like. 30% of the likes leave the rest in though. So it feels conversative. But, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the likes. I say, yeah. you know, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Um, boy, oh boy. Uh, if you really want to improve and, and have a rude awakening, start a podcast and h- edit the first couple seasons yourself. Oh yes. You, st- you stop doing that as quick as you can, not just for the time, but <laughs> for your, well, yeah. for your time. <laughs> well, well, right. But, uh, but also for a number of other reasons that mm. are maybe like, Ooh, I, 
I can't be the one that's also has to hear this three or four times and uh, I'm going to get carried away, you know? So it's why, it's why artists, uh, let somebody else produce, record and edit their yes. stuff, you know? Uh, yeah, I've, definitely. I've experiencing that. Yeah. So yeah, I imagine you do actually speaking <laughs> of that experience, I sort of want to go back a little bit. So do you have an early memory of sound that moved you something that got you into this in the first place? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I, the, the memory that actually comes to me almost immediately is one that quite, uh, quite literally did move me and the house that I grew up in. Uh, so my dad was a bass player in a classic rock band in the 70s. And he didn't really, you know, continue through playing, you know, after that, after that period of his life, uh, you know, in the 80s, like, still love music worked, you know, in music adjacent entertainment spaces throughout the 90s and 2000s. But, uh, but he had a couple pieces of gear, like an old jazz bass and a few, uh, a few of the amps that he played back then that he hung on to that mostly just collected dust for those decades. But uh, when I came along and got to uh, an age where I could uh, you know, ask questions and be curious about it, you know, would, would open that up. And I, I distinctly, uh, remember the first time that, uh, it was actually a, uh, a 215 speaker cabinet and, uh, an Ampeg B25. I don't know how, how deep the gear heads are, uh, in your audience, but, uh, it's a pretty sizable, uh, amp and cab and, and pretty powerful as such pretty, pretty common bass amp and guitar rig from that era. And we, we pl I was like, dad, can we plug this in? He's like, honestly, I don't even know if it still works, but I guess we can try. And <clears throat> we did. And boy, did it still work because I remember like just like one open note and it was the volume was was dimed and we didn't realize because the volume knob was actually broken off. So you couldn't tell where it was. Where it was oh, stuck at. dial to 11. Um, oh, there right, we go. <laughs> right, right, right. Totally. Um, right. We're, we're so we're pushing some some SPLs there uh, so much so that I mean, the whole house shook. It's it was an older house. The window sills rattled. This was actually up in the attic. So it wasn't even like down in the basement with the concrete floor. So it it shook and it literally, uh, I mean, probably scared the crap out of me at the time. But I think I was also like, wait a second, this is what you did, you know? Um, so I just didn't stand a chance after that, you know, and I found my own way um, playing around with that. I, I eventually took to guitar and he, even though I think he knew maybe against his better judgment at some times, what, what potentially could lie ahead for me in that business, uh, good, bad, and ugly. I think he still knew he's like, a, he, he can't, um, in good conscience, try to steer me away from that. He just had to let it happen. And, and luckily I think for myself and for him, uh, it, it worked out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you could talk a little about that, I know you have a band of your own, right? So I do. So yeah. you make a living as a musician. Is that I still can't believe it myself, uh, but it's been, you know, the better part of two decades in a band from Philadelphia called The Wonder Years, um, a rock band that that pushes some some SBL, some SPLs of our own um, and, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty loud kind of in your face uh, punk alternative tinged band. And yeah, that, I mean that, you know, it started out pretty lighthearted. We all of us played in, in different bands throughout high school. Um, and then kind of came together like, uh, you know, uh, 
a Sunday afternoon in the, in the summer before all of us were going to go, um, go away and start college. And we, we wrote a joke song, honestly, um, about, so we're from Philadelphia and New Jersey's right across the border. And there's this, there's a little bit of like a New Jersey, Philadelphia kind of rivalry, if anybody's familiar with the area, but we specifically wrote a joke song about how much we disliked route nine, which is what runs down through New Jersey along the coast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, you know, Look out, because when you least expect it, that's somehow the band that ended up evolving into something. Uh, We stopped writing joke songs, started writing some stuff that was a little bit more uh, referential and resonant to our own lives and and a little bit more meaningful. And things have a way of evolving. And now we're like seven studio albums and multiple EPs, B-sides later. And we've, yeah, I mean, we've spent the last 15 or so years uh, touring internationally and you know thousands of shows and and made a made a really really good living that I wake up every day and still have such gratitude to see the impact that we've been able to make especially even in our little subworld of of punk rock and alternative music so sure it's, yeah it's really nice yeah that's so that's that's primarily what got me into uh music audio all of all of those things um and it just kind of spirals out yeah. from there yeah yeah. So there, you must have seen so many things evolve over the years of you being in the band and trying to promote the band and trying to make a living with the band because like lots of things have happened in the last 20 years. <laughs> yes. Yes. Our, our band uh, first came up in an era that was seemingly dominated by a now defunct platform called MySpace. So, uh, you oh, know. Oh, really? Okay. So it started there. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. In like the the MySpace pure volume days, it, you know, um, and now we're, you know, we're playing to some newer fans that have no memory or recollection of those. And um, and so it's funny. And that's why I, even too now I've, um, I've gotten into kind of artist coaching um, and mentoring and consulting with a lot of independent artists because there's more of those in and the, they need in the, the music industry more than ever. And there's <laughs> yeah. also so many tools and so many people kind of, um, you know, shouting advice at them through all these different channels. And that's yes. one of the things I say where everybody's like, well, you know, put all your eggs into TikTok, put all your eggs into Instagram. And I, I say, hey, that's not necessarily, you know, incorrect information that those are really powerful platforms right now. But also I have existed in salt and see very large dominant platforms come and go and, and, and things evolve and change. So at least that perspective is, yeah. Um, one example of just how much stuff has changed and oh, yeah. stuff has changed I, with our knowledge base too, uh, for sure. Totally. I can well imagine. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of things change over the internet since I was on it in 95. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so right. yeah, it's been a long, been a long journey and, and yes. music has definitely been a long journey. Uh, I had a songwriting resource back in 95 that lasted a while. So uh, that was, yeah. Watching the whole Napster thing go down. Oh, yep. <laughs> yep. I know. I know. Yeah. Pretty scary. Do you want to sound your absolute best when you're being interviewed on a podcast or when you're hosting your own show? I have a podcast episode and free downloadable worksheet called Sounding Your Best as a Podcast Guest off of the audiobrandingpodcast.com main page. Just click on the little square graphic to the left of the player displaying my podcast trailer. It gives you some comprehensive suggestions for where to start or for improving the sound you already have including the type of microphones to consider and why, ideas for soundproofing your recording environment, 
and suggestions on how to get the best sound when you're being remotely recorded on services like Riverside FM or Squadcast. Don't let bad audio quality hold you back from being the best podcast guest or host you can be. And of course, if you happen to need voiceover for your intro and outro, feel free to get in touch. I'm happy to help. And now back to the podcast. So now when you're coaching independent artists, what do you tell them the best tools for what they're doing are as far as their promotion is concerned? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, so I don't think there's a one size fits all model nowadays. I think that's the first, the first sure. thing I tend to lead with, which is why I think I, I gravitated towards doing more one on one, uh, you know, unpacking uh, of things like that with artists, because I felt like, you know, sure, you can write some really valuable resources in in book form, in course form. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're always going to kind of fall short. And I never wanted to feel like, um, you know, one, that I was leading anybody on and just trying to kind of like take their money and say, here, this is the answer to all your problems. This other shiny object for you to focus on and think is going to solve everything. And uh, there are so many shiny objects. Right, right. And that's so honestly, (laughs) that is the first thing to say, hey, a lot of these platforms, a lot of these like number driven, you know, metric driven goals out there, they in their own way can kind of be their own shiny object thing that can really distract you from what's actually happening. Right. So, um, and ultimately, uh, I say make, make really, really uh, informed and intentioned full choices about building a brand by taking a long-term mentality to it, you know, not just trying to be like, Hey, I want to get a hundred thousand streams this month. How do I do it? Right. You know, um, let's talk about the actions that will not only give you that, but will bring people that do like your music and do um, want to support you potentially further into what some people in the marketing and branding world would call like a funnel, right? I think that's a little <laughs> dehumanizing, but that's, you know, that's a, that's a term from that industry that is, you see how it plays out in music as well. And so that's kind of where I start and say, what, what things are you doing that are really working, that are uniquely you? And let's start with the story of your band, the music that you've made so far, the music that you want to continue to make where you want to go with it. And let's help you make some smart choices. And depending on that, the answers to those questions initially, that's going to dictate a lot of where I would suggest they go, right? Um, If their brand is somewhat closer to that of a comedy-based kind of off-the-wall influencer type, you know, then I would maybe suggest that they go to a certain platform over one over a different one, right? Um, and the inverse of that is also true if it's a much richer, more artistic narrative that they're trying to paint. And there's, there's maybe some more strategic ways to do that um, on some long-form kind of evergreen platforms. So, you know, that in terms of that, that that's kind of where some of that uh, – mentality comes into play and where I start the conversation and then and then it moves and evolves from there based on you know the feedback that they give me so sure that makes a lot of sense yeah Yeah. so when someone is going into this do you give them uh, business advice do they because a lot of these I mean a lot of musicians are creative people but they may not necessarily have business sense And so how do you instruct creatives on how to make a business? (laughs) Right, right. It's a really good question. And it's something that um, I'm still learning every day and I'll I'll never not be learning because the goalpost kind of also changes as we as we just mentioned. But um, yeah, it's a really good point. A lot of people know that they love creating things and, and love, you know, 
trying to design certain moments and experiences that that pull out reactions from an audience. And they're not always great at understanding how to have that support the um the longevity of that action, right? You know, and um and or sometimes people feel like it's a little inauthentic, you know, and or are afraid to even just the word ask, right? You know, oh my goodness, here, yeah. Here's an Marketing. offer, right? You know, <laughs> Marketing and, and for I, creatives. Don't right. we hate it. <laughs> and that is a a big part of what I, you know, I hope to do for the next generation of independent artists mm-hmm. who I think have an opportunity to really dominate and completely change the landscape of how this business functions uh, uh, is to destigmatize that and say, Hey, this is not a bad thing, especially like in the, in the, in the world of like punk rock, indie rock, and some really more like fringe artistic subgenres. I think a lot of people are like, no, it's uncool, you know, to promote yourself and are, are kind of fed this narrative that um, the second you start trying to ask someone to do something in, in return or support you or, you know, put an offer out there or try to promote yourself in a certain way that it becomes completely inauthentic and kind of slimy and scummy, right? It's actually interesting. It's like trying to counter against a lot of narratives, one of which for me was something I had to be very careful of because I didn't want people to start um, attaching what I do with uh, what the industry has now started to kind of look at the phrase artist development as, you know, Um, because- Is there even artist development anymore? Oh, absolutely. Every day. That's effectively what, well, you know. I mean, what... like artists doing it themselves, yes, but like a big record label doesn't do artist development anymore. <laughs> well, you know, th- so they do. A lot of the activities oh, okay. that they do and, and work with bands are trying to help build build brands, you know, build okay. and take what the band is doing and, and figure out what's really working and what opportunities and unique lanes that presents themselves. And that is developing that business and that brand, right? Um, and uh, so, so it's happening every day. But yes, okay. there's a, there's a stigma around, and even like larger label systems. Everybody, you know, it's like the big bad major label machine, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. well, you know, <laughs> everybody in business is in some way looking to make decisions and work on things that can behoove them and further what they're looking for. So oh, yeah, um, starving you know, artists, that doesn't need to happen anymore. People need to be able to pay their rent. <laughs> right, exactly. And there and there's a lot of things that I, um, I'm i glad I have seen start to shift in the mm-hmm. culture and the climate and that will continue to. And I think some of that continued change will happen by independent artists starting to create their own leverage by being smarter and educating themselves. So that's ultimately where what, what I try to come in and say, listen, marketing, you know, music marketing, artist development, all of these things, like don't let them color, um, you know, they can mean very different things for your band, for your project than what you think they might have meant for somebody else, you know? Um, and you, there's a, there's an honest, um, way to, to maintain integrity and still do those things. Right. And that's, I think the better conversation. So that's why, um, that's what has me really like, uh, jazzed up, so to speak, whenever, <laughs> whenever I'm working with, um, working with other bands or even just having casual conversations, somebody, you know, a friend says, Hey, I have, you know, friends of mine are in this band. They just cut a record. Uh, what do you think is the best thing? And, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm never going to be like, just tell them to get on TikTok for 12 hours a day. I think that's very, um, reductive, right. In terms of a strategy. So, there's a lot to to go into there, but yes, it's still happening, and I think it's just going to change. And ultimately, what I'm trying to do is not say 
even myself and my insights and my experience are the answer. Uh, I just want to try to take a more thoughtful, mindful approach to helping artists think for themselves and become self-sustaining. I know that we're all dealing with a lot of stuff these days, so I particularly wanted to acknowledge those that have taken the time to leave honest reviews of this podcast. Skyle Renee, I think it's Renee, it's spelled R-E-N-E, so that's what I'm going to go with. I hope I got it right. Had this to say. Worth it. This podcast is so good that I just want to sit and stay in my car a little longer. Thanks, Jody. You're very welcome, Skyle. And thank you so much for taking the time to write a review. Now, back to the show. The industry is going to change. The things we're talking about right now are going to be either way more relevant or way less relevant 10 years from now. Good point. Yeah. But I want you to be able to gain the tools uh, and frameworks for kind of going through and saying, hey, well, how do I talk to this label? How do I pitch this label? And being like, hey, a better idea is let's flip the lens and put your hat on in a way that allows you to think about what behooves them and what their objectives are. And that's, you know, maybe a better pitch, right? Things like that. Um, and then not just taking a short-sighted approach, but saying, hey, imagine you wake up one day and you've been in this little punk band from Philadelphia for 20 years. <laughs> you know, what do you what do you hope that uh, you've built, right? And Oh, good point. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think that's another question that I really like to ask is like, listen, if you're a bit like decades from now, your band has come and gone. What are the, you know, the few things that you hope people will remember about your band if it comes up in conversation, right? You know, how do you Such want them to feel? Such a good question. Yeah. Which I think I, is at the I, core, I, you I know, there's a branding. I turn it back on you though, yeah. Casey. Like what, what have you built with, with your band? Like what are you proud of with, with what you've created with this 20 year journey with your band? Yeah. I, you know, a lot of bands say this, they, they get on stage and I'm sure anybody out there that's seen a show has been like, man. Toronto, you're the you're our favorite city to play. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know you say that every night, right? <laughs> no um, matter where you are. Right, yes. <laughs> right. But but I will say there is uh, a true feeling and a true sense of gratitude in that. Uh, and everybody's like, no, our fans are literally the best fans in music. I'm going to be I'm just going to add myself to the list, but like try to qualify it by like two or three X to say that what we have built is more than just people that support us financially, that, that you know, love our music and have given us said some nice things about us. It is a community and a type of person, uh, the likes of which is such an overwhelmingly supportive and kind and forward thinking community that I am so proud. And I don't take credit for, for, you know, th that's all on everybody else. But I love that every one of our shows in its own way tends to feel like it's a coming together of people that really care, not just about the music that's kind of at the center of it, but about everybody else in the audience. And that just happens to be the connection point. It's it's something that will I will continue to be proud of for the rest of my life, um, even if we, you know, for some reason stopped tomorrow. Right. And the pandemic gave us like a, you know, um, like it did. Everybody gave us a little uh, perspective and it oh, only sure. and it only further galvanized how lucky to have built something that, hey, even in a moment where everybody is maybe a little scared or doesn't understand, you know, where things are going to go, or there's more doubt looming over everybody's individual personal situation um, and global situation, at, you know, all at once, that they were still there and said, hey, you've given so much to me, 
we're going to make sure you as a band get through this because we need you on the other side. We want you on the other side. And you've given so much to us on this side of the pandemic that you're coming through it with us. And, and, and you know, um, and we saw that through so many activities, whether it be the live streams or the offers that we put out to say, hey, this will help us and this will help a lot of other bands in our world that I know y'all love, even if you don't know them right now, trust me, like, you know, you're going to be thankful that you supported them and helped get them through as well. So I'd say the sense of community and that that compassion and empathy, I I hope that that is something that we will be remembered for. And I do feel like it is something that is very much at the center of what our band has built uh, our career around, you know, mm -hmm. and um, so that that's probably for me very, very important if, if we're asking that question yeah, to myself. Well, yeah, definitely. That's important. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time, 